Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack rocking and rolling with you live in the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time. Rocket can. All right, busy week in sports, both on the field and off the field, which means we've got sports business issues. And when that's the case, we call on our next guest. He is our favorite sports business insider. He's a consultant for Yahoo Finance and Sirius XM as well. A major friend of the show, Rick Harrow, joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing, Rick? I'm doing good. Um, I've taught my uh, dog how to get beer out of the refrigerator, so it's going to be a very good sport. Did you make them watch the commercials where they do that? Did you give him uh, vid- video yeah, no, training to be able to do that? Yeah, no, that's where he learned it. And then <laughs> I wanted him to get really bored and ready for a change. So I've had him watch my Cubs over the last few days. Oh, That'll do it to shot on goal for the Cubs score by Mr. Harrow. All right, uh, Rick, the word nil has always to me meant nada, zero, zip, nothing. Except this week it kind of changed with nil standing for name, image, and likeness decision handed down by the uh, Supreme Court that is going to allow college athletes to cash in big time. Um, how How is this going to affect recruitment? Because I, I think that I understand what has been decided, but I'm not sure what the implications on it are as of now, and they may be changing First blush, how is this going to affect collegiate sports? Well, the fact that you admit you don't understand it uh, or you don't know how it's going to be implied uh, is, uh, is is very good because nobody understands it. People <laughs> just think they do. And you know, the Supreme Court decision was based on the Alston case, which talked about, quote, unquote, um, benefits tethered to education. And so you can't put a limit on that if you're a school. And so that means computers. It means uh, uh, out of out of country learning. Uh, it means dorm rooms. All kind of things that you know the haves can spend on. The haves have trouble on. So you've got that piece. 
but independent, but also because it's part of the same process. All the Supreme Court justices have expressed opinions, 9-0, and then in their own writings, saying you can't treat these guys only as students and use that as an excuse not to pay. So that's where NIL comes in. And then the NCAA, notwithstanding their desire to say, let's decide some really careful legislation. By the way, we've announced it a year and a half ago, so we have a lot of time to figure it out. Well, they didn't figure it out. What they ended up doing is saying, all right, the Supreme Court said generally athletes can be paid. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on us. So July 1, it's everybody for himself. Uh, and so as a result, conferences may regulate. Schools may regulate, but there'll be at a distinct recruiting disadvantage. Uh, and obviously, states are going to weigh in. 19 states have, have rules now. So who ultimately will succeed in coordinating all of this? Don't ask me. you got to wow. ask me because I'm the one that's supposed to know, but I don't know. And you don't know. That tells me all I need to know, which is, means we're going to be flying by our seat, the seat of our pants with this stuff. And that means that someone will figure out what you can and can't do better than someone else. Who are the winners and losers right off the bat? And I uh, read, readily admit it could change over time. But as as this first gets started, who do you think the winners? And certainly we know the athletes are the winners. But as far as the universities go, who are the winners? Yeah, the athletes are the winners. Uh, in, in some ways, the athletic departments are the winners in the sense that there is an opportunity for them to generate some additional money and then take a piece and give it to the athlete. So if I'm an AD and I'm at a school that's pretty entrepreneurial and I want to make sure that I can get some money, I get out there in the market right now and I say, let's create a pot. Pot's going to go to the students. The students are going to be based on Twitter and other social media. We're going to take some and we're going to give some to the students. So it's a time for entrepreneurial athletic directors uh, and conference commissioners to really show what they're made of. Uh, the losers are going to be the ones that keep complaining. You know, there are a lot of people that are saying, well, we shouldn't be doing this. It's putting us at a, a recruiting disadvantage. And they sit back and whine. The whiners are the losers because they, they get left behind. Okay. So the it sounds to me like the rich get richer. Is that a, a fair assumption? Yeah, well, with the this? Rich, yeah, let's put it this way. The rich have an opportunity to get much richer because the things that they can do with their benefits, and if they do them right, uh, it's not under the table anymore. It may never have been under the table for a lot of the schools, but it's certainly not going to be in the future. And I find it ironic, by the way. So remember, uh, University of Kentucky and Louisville were all complaining because a month ago, the uh, uh, Kentucky legislature had not acted, although 19 other states had. So they were complaining because in a ultimate twist of ironic fate, the Kentucky schools said, we are left behind. We can't recruit as well. Well, <laughs> how about karma? Making it for the hundreds of years that they were at the head of the table. Now, uh, one of the intricacies that I have noticed is that with the in-court decision, students are now allowed to have, quote-unquote, advisors, a.k.a. agents, who can help them with their own ability to make money on their name, image, and likeness, which they had not been able to do previous to this, but since uh, amateurism is pretty much out the window, somebody can advise. And when agents get involved, everybody makes more money, but then people start questioning, is this being done above board and the like? If that's the case, if it's college athletes, so they first uh, show up on the college campus, they can already be making money because they can sign deals. 
How early are agents going to start to recruit kids? At what age is this going to begin? Well, uh, there are a few agents I know they're going to be hanging around junior high schools. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And and so it's just, you know, people get younger and younger and younger, and it's more able to do it. I do think that the agent piece has to be redefined as well, like everything else. And where it's going to come down broadly, and this will be the way the rules will be structured, is that you can advise as an advisor, uh, as far as marketing is concerned, at whatever age the athlete has the ability to make the money. That's when that's going to happen. But uh, an official agent to negotiate a you know player contract, once you get him, then you turn pro. That's the way it's been in a lot of these uh, regulations and a lot of these sports. That's probably not going to change as much. But you're going to have uh, anywhere from a hanger-oner to a really good marketing person who will have the ability to be a market advisor, and that's probably not a bad idea. We're talking to our buddy Rick Haro, our sports business insider, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, next question. I contemplated this when the story broke this week about Carl Nassib, uh, the uh, defensive lineman in the National Football League, who made uh, head news and headway because he came out and announced that uh, he was uh, gay and uh, is going to be playing in the National Football League. First guy to ever do it while being in the league. We've had certainly gay players before and guys who came into the league out of college who had already come out and this is the first guy who played for a while and decided I'm going to make an announcement on it and he did and damn if his jersey didn't become the hottest selling jersey in the National Football League because of it more power to him but well, I, more, more, you know what, I'm sorry no you got if you want to make a point please no, I was just gonna say, well here, here's what I'm gonna say more power to him and more power to the society more power to Raiders fans, more power to Mark Davis and his organization. Uh, you know, it, it could have gone either way. What I mean is this could have been a, uh, yeah, interesting, but so what, which is uh, maybe ultimately the way it ought to be down the road where it's met by no big deal, which is what should happen. But, you know, this is a big deal. This is a defining moment. And remember, Michael Sam, you defined that he did play. He played a preseason game, but not not an NFL regular season game. And his whole issue was he announced his coming out when he was drafted. Took him in the whole issues. So this is definitely going to be an opportunity for others in sports to feel free about announcing their sexual preference. Now, like everything else, you got to tackle, you got to rush the passer, you got to be good. And frankly, I know this is hard to say, but. If you're not any good, it doesn't matter what your sexual preference is. That's very true. <laughs> it's not that hard to say. It's right on point is what it is. But here's yeah. the question it brought to mind for me. Uh, let's say a an NFL jersey, a real live NFL jersey uh, uh, with the NFL logo on it. Let's say it sells for $200. And the cost of manufacturing it and getting into the store, shipping it, making it, and everything else is $100. So you're looking at a $100 profit on a sold jersey with Carl Nassib's name on the back. How does that $100 break out? How much does the NFL get? How much do the Raiders get because it's one of their jerseys? Does Carl Nassib get anything from that, or does just that help his brand? Uh, how, how do you do the, they, they divide up the profits of something like an NFL jersey? An NFL jersey, NFL property, you sign it in your player agreement, it helps your brand. So it's another way of saying he doesn't get the money. Uh, okay. the, the Raiders get the merchandising revenue. 
and then it's put in some of it is put in a pot that's shared equally around the league. It's a fairly complicated formula. But most of the merchandising dollars on the local and team level go back to the team. That that's broadly correct. Okay. Now, if his brand is going to mean that he's going to be able to endorse other things and sell other products that are not official NFL merchandise, the NFL doesn't touch that. So if I'm his agent, I'm out there talking about tasteful branding, T-shirts, other things that are important. And if he wants to generate revenue off it, then he's got to find a way to do it that the team will support. And I'm sure they will in this context, given how supportive they've been before. Right. And the fact that they benefited this week, maybe more than anybody else, by the fact that yeah. Carl Nassim jerseys were jumping off the, uh, the shelves. I know you're a tennis guy and Wimbledon got underway, but sans a couple of the star players this year. Of course, Wimbledon was canceled last year uh, because of COVID, but they're back this year and they seem to be playing to pretty good crowds from what I've seen on ESPN. How is the rejoined Wimbledon actually uh, doing financially? Great crowds because everybody wanted to see everybody in white and the tradition and the history, regardless of who's playing and who's not playing, especially the first week. And wh- whether we know all these players or not is not that relevant. What's relevant is the television revenue is coming back. The international revenue is. Last year, they were kind of lucky because they had an insurance policy that bailed them out, made it easy not to have the major at all. This year, everybody expected it to be back to total uh, normal, normal, normalcy. It wasn't a because of the Delta variant, which is screwing a lot of people up, and the lack of lack of vaccine. So, you know, we're moving in the right direction, but it's not totally there. And B, it's uh, it's Osaka, it's it's Nadal, uh, it's a lot of the other players who either were injured and didn't play, or in Serena's case, injured early. And so the second week will be a bunch of no names. Now, I'd rather see no names on the grass in white and having a tremendous impact on tennis and that we're back than no Wimbledon at all, and I'll bet most people agree. And this is the time of year where Great Britain kind of gets center stage because they have Wimbledon and the British Open, which we're about 12 days away from the start thereof. Um, how, how do you think they're going to fare as far as attendance goes? And uh, as you mentioned, there are still some COVID issues, variant issues in Great Britain. How, it is, gonna, how is it going to affect the 149th Open. I know I'm supposed to just call it the Open, but I've called it the British Open my whole life, and I'm not changing because somebody told me to. Uh, so you call it whatever you want. How do you think it's going to play uh, come next week? When you're over there, listen, you can call it the Open. We're over here, so you can call it whatever you want to call it. It is the British <laughs> Open to me, and that's the way it's going to stay. And again, I really like the idea that after a year off, they're coming back as well. Probably 35000 uh, a day of crowd. They're on a special exempt list, just like Euro 2020, for special events, which will allow them to have even more spectators. Listen, the big difference we found out kind of late in the game is golf. You know, you wear masks, fine. You get protocol. You get tested. Uh, the golfers, if they're tested, they're in deep protocol. Just ask John Rahm. But it's outdoor game. And when I play, even when I wasn't vaccinated because the vaccine wasn't available, I'd be wearing a mask, but not while I'm playing. And I felt really safe. And so that's the way most people feel today. And all the outdoor events, even in uh, versus uh, football or, or, or baseball, because you're moving around. Uh, people aren't, you know, close to each other during the whole thing. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Phil Mickelson, 
this is the kind of course he can excel in as long as he doesn't lose his head. And it'll be a fun week and a half. So you got Wimbledon, then you got the 149th Open, 149th UK Open, 149th UK uh, Scotland. Uh, Northern Ireland Open. <laughs> we call it whatever the hell you want. want to call I agree wholeheartedly with you. All right, uh, you know I've been asking you about this for shoot the last six or eight months. Uh, we are now right on the cusp of the Olympics, and it is going to happen. Although uh, the hosting country still has some issues and some questions, but it is going to proceed. It is uh, going to go on with. Uh, not capacity crowds in their stadiums over there. We've had some off-field of competition issues with uh, protesting anthems and uh, marijuana use, but we're going to get the Olympics and they're going to get started here pretty close, uh, pretty soon. Is NBC looking at a profitable Olympics? Yeah, because they've had two years to sit on the ads and sell the ads. You know, $565 million. Uh, the last Olympiad in the summer, and they've decided that this is a big deal because you can't not have it and miss this cycle. So, yeah, it's going to be profitable for them. The one that's going to be even more interesting is, you know, NBC gets next year's Super Bowl. It's going to be $6 million for a 30-second ad. And even more important for the primo ads with the longtime buyers, they are going to make you. They don't say it's making you, but they do. Buy the Winter Olympic inventory, which happens a week after the Super Bowl is over. Unbelievable. The Winter Olympics is in Beijing already six months from now. And you've got to buy it, whether you like to or not, if you have access to the best Super Bowl ads. So it's not just the ads themselves for the Summer Olympics, but it's the positioning of the Olympic brand and what the NBC salespeople can get away with. And how big a player in the broadcast of the upcoming Olympics, this one, we'll deal with the winter one. I'll get you back on again before that ever happens. How big yeah, a player, because it, it may change between now and then, how big a player is Peacock? Now, I'm lucky in that uh, I'm a Comcast customer as my m- m- regular cable provider. So right now I'm getting Peacock for free, which is a good thing. And I do check out a show or two on Peacock, but I'm not a, a regular viewer. I go there from time to time. But with uh, some of the events and specific competitions being pushed to Peacock, their streaming service, NBC, how big a deal is that going to be for the Olympics? It depends on how you feel. You know, if you want to watch every table tennis game ever played in the Olympics from the preliminary round to the end, you're solid, man. You have Peacock. <laughs> It'll stream everything. Uh, the beauty of streaming, obviously, is there is unlimited real estate. So Peacock and Paramount with CBS and Disney Plus with Disney, as you know, uh, and Fox Go, all of those streaming services give you the ability to watch anything in the world. Now, are you going to be able to monetize that? And is there really an economic benefit from capturing the niche of a small group of intense people who will watch a given sport? Well, you don't have to worry about it because it's, it's pretty easy to produce. But at the end of the day, I don't know if streaming is the full answer economically, but it sure means that you can watch anything you want to during the Olympics. So the answer is you're in luck. I don't know if you're a table tennis fan, but you know, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to score every point of every ping pong game.
Very nice. Uh, I'll try and get over for at least one match. Um, Good. No, no LeBron James, no Steph Curry, the men's U.S. basketball team missing a couple of stars, but they've got Kevin Durant and a really good and talented team. It just might not have the name-grabbing uh, attention that they've had previously. I don't think anyone would call this the dream team, but is men's basketball still the number one driving force for uh, broadcast coverage of the upcoming Olympics in this country, in your mind? Yeah, men's basketball, and then, you know, the collateral stuff is the Katie Ledecky. Just watch what NBC's promoting. You can get a good idea of it. So, you know, the swimming stuff, uh, Simone Biles, who may be the best athlete in history as far as dominating her sport, gymnastics. They got the prime stuff. But then the second-level stuff is important, but it doesn't drive as much as the Olympics as well. So as uh, the other, uh, the mega mega sports as well. So yeah, we're waiting for a pretty good, successful Olympic basketball team. And by the way, let's remember Jerry Colangelo, good friend, Grant Hill taking over for Jerry at USA Basketball after this. So it is a tribute to Jerry Colangelo when we win the gold. Very nice. Uh, and uh, that's what everybody will be rooting for. I, I used this phrase earlier in our conversation, rich getting richer. I was referring to the big uh, universities with uh, big athletic funds and have had a ton of success being able to only uh, maximize that more going forward with uh, how they can take care of their uh, recruited athletes. Rich getting richer on the professional front, too. The Madden uh, cover boys this year were Brady and Mahomes, who were the two biggest endorsers in the National Football League to begin with, so more power to them. How much do you get for being on the cover of the Madden game? Well, you get a percentage of sales, too, which is a you you can't know it yet until it's actually done. So it'll be one of their top three or four endorsement profiles as well. And, you know, if I'm Brady... I am not closing my profile. He just signed a deal with Subway. Everybody's kind of questioning it because he doesn't eat Subway. Right. Well, he, he, uh, <laughs> they're going to come out with some stuff that probably he does eat, you know, tofu on a bun. I don't know what the heck yeah. it's going to be. But, you know, he's got that. And, and uh, these guys are not done. And if I'm Mahomes or I'm Brady, I try to capture just as much as I possibly can. And the Madden game is just icing on the cake. You'd have By the to way, little... I'm sorry to, to it, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is really important. If I see Javi Baez swinging a ball six feet, oh, his late, Cubs are losing again, I'm and he's whining it. about you know it. I've had it. Jesus, I, you know why can't that? Why isn't it easy? Just watch the ball, and if it's anywhere near you, swing. If not, just lay off it. What, what's the problem? Glad to hear you're as big a diehard right. as you are. All right, last thing. Um, I did see this. Uh, one point, Javi Baez, and he was really good as a minor leaguer. He's just having troubles in the majors right now, right yeah. in his, to his free agent uh, season, which is not good timing. Um, minor league baseball has a chance to benefit from leftover COVID relief funds that because certain businesses were hard hit during COVID, they've got all this money that they want to allocate correctly to businesses around the country. And yes, minor league baseball completely canceled last year. And a lot of the owners of those teams did take a bath. I I never even thought along those lines. I'm such a sports guy, but I don't think of them as a business that would need help and or a handout from Washington with COVID relief. Is this a good thing? Do you think it's actually going to happen? Well, it's a great thing, and let me tell you why it's so great is because I have been working with minor league baseball for years, and we had actually come up with this plan 
last year, but it didn't see the light of day because of some of the other issues, including in the middle of the pandemic. You know, this year, uh, it's time to take a look at other businesses. And what is made? What is minor league baseball just so dependent on? Well, not TV. Obviously, you don't watch sure. them a lot. They don't have any TV rights. But it's America's game. 120 teams all over middle America. And they're a collection of small businesses. They help the cities, 41 million fans, none last year, completely closed down. And if you're in a downtown stadium, whether it's Lowell, Mass., or South Bend, Indiana, I was in Des Moines last week to watch the Iowa Cubs for the first time ever. Really got excited about that. And so, you know, why not help them out as a small business that has tremendous economic impact? Don't know if it's going to happen because it's politics like everything else, but they certainly deserve it. Kudos to Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, who seems to be the driving force behind this. Uh, Hopefully he gets it done. Uh, We get it done each and every single time. We punch Rick Harrow up. He comes with insight and information and whining about the Cubs. That's a new one, but uh, we'll expect more of that. Whining. It's just, hey, it's factual, man. They trade uh, uh, Darvish. They trade Lester. What 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 is going on? All right. Never mind. All right, All right, have, a nice fourth, okay? have a nice fourth, okay? Rick, you do the same, buddy. I'll call you in a couple of weeks. That's <laughs> Rick Caro, our sports business insider for Yahoo uh, Finance and Sirius XM. I don't care. He comes on my show. That's the only thing I worry about. But he's always good when he comes on, and we thank him for it. All right, Jody Mack, coming back, and we'll get the phones restoked. You've got the number, 855-212-4227. The Mac Man here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.